When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode of Newt's World, inflation is eating away at wage increases. The Dow is down 18% for the year so far. The Fed just raised interest rates three quarters of a point, and gas is over $5 a gallon. And the real question is, are we headed towards a recession? On Meet the Press, Larry Summers, who served as Secretary of the Treasury under President Clinton, said we are headed towards a recession. All economic forecasts have uncertainty. My best guess is that a recession is ahead. I base that on the fact that we haven't had a situation like the present with inflation above four and unemployment below four without a recession following within a year or two. When talking with reporters on Monday in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, President Biden said when asked if a recession is more likely than ever. I was uh, talking to Larry Summers this morning, and uh, there's nothing inevitable about a recession. Depending on who you believe about a possible recession, there is no time like the present to be prepared for the future. I came across Michelle Singletary's thoughtfully written column seven ways you can financially prepare for a recession and found it so helpful I wanted to have her on so she could share it with our listeners. So I'm really pleased to welcome my guest Michelle Singletary. She writes the nationally syndicated column The Color of Money which appears in the Washington Post on Wednesdays and Sundays. She's also written four personal finance books including 
What to Do With Your Money When a Crisis Hits, A Survival Guide, and The 21-Day Financial Fast, Your Path to Financial Peace and Freedom. Michelle, welcome and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Thank you for having me. So we heard Larry Summers on Meet the Press say we are headed towards a recession. Then Janet Yellen, the current Secretary of the Treasury, appeared on this week and said, I expect the economy to slow. Uh, It's been growing at a very rapid rate as the economy, as the labor market has recovered and we have reached full employment. It's natural now that we expect a transition to steady and stable growth. But I don't think a recession is at at all inevitable. In your judgment, who should Americans believe at this point? Do you have a sense that we are moving towards a recession or not? You know, I wish I really could say, because I think it would ease a lot of people's mind, even if we were headed or currently in a recession, but we really don't know. There's still some other really strong indicators like unemployment, low unemployment, and people are still buying, even though they're pulling back some because of inflation. I mean, you look at the housing market, it's still very hot. But definitely there's some hot spots that's problematic, rising consumer prices, gas prices, rents, and so forth. So at this point, it's too soon to say whether or not we're in a recession. I thought it was interesting that J.P. Morgan Chase's CEO, Jamie Dimon, said at the Bernstein's 38th Annual Strategic Decisions Conference, quote, an economic hurricane is coming. And he pointed to the war in Ukraine rising inflation and interest rate heights from the Federal Reserve. He went on to say, quote, right now it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. Everyone thinks the Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there down the road coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or a superstorm. You better brace yourself. So I thought it was fascinating against that background where people aren't quite sure what's going to happen. You decided to write seven ways that you can financially prepare for a recession, which I think has to be about as timely a column as I've seen in a long time. What led you to do that? Well, because I feel like there's so much panic right now. It's like that story, Chicken Little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And for some people it is, but for a great number of Americans, it isn't. Are you upset that you have to pay more at the gas pump? Yes, I am. But I can still go on a vacation. My family can still go eat out. It might cost us more, but we can handle that. And I just wanted to say, listen, folks, calm down. Feel what you feel because it is scary, but don't act on those fears. And so there's lots of criticism right now about who should have done what and when, but it's like, I don't know, Nuke, I'm not a big sports fan, but I sit in front of a football game and I'm like, oh, what did you do? You should have kicked this. You should have gotten this. But I'm not on the field. I couldn't kick anything. And I really think that's what's going on right now. And so what I wanted to say is, yeah, we're in a bear market. But guess what? That actually works to your benefit if you do dollar cost averaging, meaning you put a certain amount of money in the market on a regular basis. And so now you're buying more things 
if you will, on sale. And if you've got some time to go, it's going to work out. Recessions in, bear markets in, and if we use history, the markets recover and then some. And so you got to wait for that then some. And you can't be there in place for that if you pull out, if you pull back, if you make rash financial decisions in the heat of the moment. You know, and I wanted to just say, I'm with you on that. I'm a regular person too. I got a regular 401k. My husband's a government worker. He's got a TSP, a thrift savings account. So we're there with you, you know, kids coming out of college, but we're not going to panic. And I want to show you how not to panic. So take advantage of the bear market. Be a super saver right now. If you still have your job, if you still got income coming in, if a recession's coming, now's the time to stockpile some cash. Have bonds in your portfolio. Don't pull back on bonds. And if you've got time in your schedule, go ahead and get a second job, get a gig job, get something, and then save that money. There are things that you can do leading up to this. So if a recession does hit, the worst happens. You'll be better prepared for that storm. I have to ask you on behalf of all of us who don't know nearly as much as you do about finances, can you describe what a bear market is and why is it called a bear market? So basically a bear market is, you know, at some point, say in January, the market hit a high. And then from January until now, it decreased or it went down 20%. It's 20% less than at its recent high. And then you enter a bear market. And they use the bear because, you know, everyone's like really scared of what's happening with equities or stocks. And as I understand it, the bear market doesn't last forever. That's right. That's right. We had a pandemic bear market lasted a month, you know, and different ones last longer, but on average about 11 months and some shorter, some longer. So that's why you have to not panic and just be calm about it, particularly if you have some time before retirement or even if you're in retirement. I mean, I had this woman say, I got so scared. I moved everything into bonds. But what I pointed out to her was that you weren't going to use all that money at one time. So you want to make sure that your money is in a place that it has the potential to grow and keep pace with inflation. And so you don't want to move it all to the mattress or to bonds or something low because you want to make sure that your money in the future is going to buy the things that you need in the future. So even in retirement, you need to have some exposure to growth. And that means taking on a little bit more risk. Now, you talk about dollar cost averaging. What is that? It's what most of us do. and We don't even know we're doing it. If you have a workplace retirement plan, you tell your employer, hey, take this amount of money out of my paycheck and put it in the market, you know, either mutual funds, equities, bonds, and so forth. And you do it on a regular basis, every paycheck. That's dollar cost averaging. So basically, when the market is hot, things cost more. You're not buying as much, but when things go down, you're buying more shares and it all kind of evens out. It kind of all averages out. And that's what dollar cost averaging is. So you really would have sort of a pattern for most people of regularly buying some stock, no matter what the market itself is doing. That's right. I don't own individual stocks. I do mutual funds, low index funds, and so forth. But that's what I think regular average investors should do. You don't need to watch the markets every day as an average investor. You're not day trading. You're not trying to hedge against something. And so you set it and you kind of forget it. 
You make sure that you're diversified. Your portfolio meets your risk tolerance. So maybe if you're kind of a risky person, maybe you've got 60 or 70% in equities or stocks and then the rest in bonds and vice versa. But the whole point is that you set up a portfolio that is diversified, has something in each asset classes so that when things happen, you are covered. It doesn't mean that your portfolio is not going to go down, but it won't go down as much as say if you had all your money in one stock and the stock kind of blew up. So you also really urge people not to try to time the market. What do you mean by that? There was an experiment with stock picking and monkeys and they monkeys, you know, threw the darts and they kind of outperformed the professionals. So the point is, we don't know where things are going. And so people will say, well, I'm just going to get out until the market gets better and then I'm going to get back in. Well, what we found is that when people did that in a great recession, guess what? They didn't come back in because they just got used to being out and they're so afraid. And you don't know when to jump back in. You have to know where the bottom is to come back in. That's the definition of trying to time the market. Even the professionals can't do that. And so as a regular person, you can't try to figure out, I'm going to get out and when things get better, I'm going to get back in. You may get back in at the bottom or at the top. You don't know. And so you don't try to time it. You just set the amount that you're going to invest. This is what I have to invest 300, 400, 500, whatever part of your paycheck, then you put it in the market and you let the market do what it does, which is historically over time gives you a good return that will help you keep pace with inflation. So your dollar today in 10 years is going to buy the milk and bread and housing that you need in 10 years. One of the most famous investors in the 1920s used to sit on a bench in Jackson Park in Washington. And was asked by a reporter one day, what was the secret? He said, well, it's really pretty simple. He said, you know, you buy low and you sell high. And the reporter said, well, how do you know high and low? He said, well, you know, that's sort of the magic of it. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I think since most of us aren't magicians. We are not. We don't quite have that knack. That's right. We are not. Hi, this is Newt. We have serious decisions to make about the future of our nation. Americans must confront big government socialism, which has taken over the modern Democratic Party, big business, news media, entertainment, and academia. In my new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future, I offer strategies and insights for everyday citizens to save America's future and ensure it remains the greatest nation on earth. It is a must-read for any concerned citizen. Here's a special offer for my podcast listeners. You can pre-order my book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, right now at Gingrich360.com book, and the book will be shipped directly to you when it comes out on July 12th. Don't miss out on this special offer to pre-order my new book today. Go to Gingrich360.com book to order your copy now. Order it today at Gingrich360.com book. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you also urge people in this really well-done and fascinating article to get rid of their credit card debt now. Now, why is that? Well, first of all, it's the most expensive debt for you to carry. And right now, we know that the Fed is trying to control inflation by increasing its 
interest rates, which eventually impact the rates you pay on your credit cards. So we know that rates on credit cards are going to increase as the Fed tries to control inflation. They've said, if we can't control it, we're going to keep raising rates, which means your credit card rates are going to go up. And it's not just on the current purchases, it's on things you bought long ago. So if you're rolling over credit card debt from month to month, it's going to cost you more and you need to get rid of that debt. And here's the other reason why you want to get it. If we go into a recession or a long-term down market, the less you have on your books, the less debt you have, the less things you have to pay, the more likely you can weather that storm if you lose your job or have a disruption in your income. I hate debt. I hate it with a passion. I mean, like if debt was a person, I'd slap it. And so I want other folks to hate it so much that they get it off their books. So if the worst happens, we do in a recession, you know, you'll be able to pay your bills because you're not being dragged down by the debt that you have. My husband's a golfer. This is how I look at it. And he likes to buy those really beautiful golf umbrellas that are really sturdy and big. And I'm very frugal. So I'll go to the dollar store and buy like a dollar umbrella, you know, but I have to buy a whole bunch of them because they all, the wind comes and it's gone. But my husband's umbrella, protects him. And there may be a storm that comes that rips that umbrella, but it's got to be a really strong storm. My dollar umbrellas, you just look at it and it breaks. So if you don't have debt, think of it as having that golf umbrella. If you have savings, think of it as having that golf umbrella. It may not last the whole part of the storm, but it sure will keep you dry for most of it. And you don't just recommend about credit card debt, but you go a step further and suggest that people should stockpile savings. Oh, yeah, definitely. Savings is your savings grace. And I'm going to tell you, it's harder for me to get people to save in good times. It's actually kind of counterintuitive, right? Because you think when you have good times, you've got more to save. So, of course, you would save. But people don't anticipate bad times. As long as that regular paycheck is coming in, oh, I'll save, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, until it's too late. And so I encourage you, like in my book, What to Do With Your Money When Crisis Hits, I say I live like I'm always in a recession. And people are like, well, that just sounds so depressing. I'm like, no. What it says is it recognizes that, you know what, we may be in a recession and it's going to be over. And guess what? There's another one that's going to come behind it. That's just how our economy works. And so if I always stay in the position that something could happen, it forces me to save when I've got that money to save. It forces me to not take on debt. My husband and I pay cash for our cars. We sent all our kids to college debt-free because we're super savers. And now things are great for our kids. My youngest has just graduated. She's going to be an educator and she's graduated into an economy that gas is more, food is more. But guess what? She doesn't have any student loan debt. So her teacher's salary will go a lot further for her because she doesn't have debt on her books because her parents saved even when things were good. You know, you also have interesting advice for younger workers that gives them a greater ability to weather any kind of storm. And I think it's fascinating. You actually think it's good for younger workers to have roommates and to share the cost of housing. 
Yeah, I do. I think most young adults, if they can, should live with their parents. And I'm not talking for a couple of years. This is going to like blow you away. Like I think they should be there five, six, seven years. We have three young adults who are college educated living with us right now. And we encourage it. It was by design because if they live at home for that length of time and they take almost all their paycheck which they're doing, and save it. For example, my oldest, she's 27. She will never have a car note because she's saving for her next car because she's living here. We don't have to charge her rent. And she's saving probably like 90% of her paycheck. And she's putting 15% in her retirement plan. And she's saving for that car that she's going to buy in three or four years. And if she stayed longer, I'm not sure she will, but if she does, If she saved almost all her paycheck, by the time it comes for her to be a homeowner, she could almost buy her house outright, if not close to it. Now, imagine your young adult buying a house in their early 30s with no mortgage. That is a financial game changer. But in our culture, they get into their 20s. Oh, they got to be out on their own. They got to show how they're being responsible. What? To spend two, dollars $3,000 a month in an apartment on rent when they could save that money and secure the rest of their life. And, you know, it's hard living with young adults and older parents, but, you know, we get through it. We have rules in place and it works. And we're just so elated that they're here and they'll be able to save. Now, it's not for everybody. Maybe you've got some issues with your home life, but if you can, do it if you've got all the relatives do it if you can keep the roommates a couple of roommates to keep that cost down for as long as possible and set yourself up for financial freedom in the end it's worth it to share your space for that decade or two (laughs) to make sure that things are okay so you actually help launch them beyond their education We do. We do. And it's so funny because my oldest, she was not feeling it. She's like, I don't know. And it turned out to be brilliant because she's able to save so much. And my son, who is on the autism scale, you know, he's trying to launch himself. And so here living with us, there's no pressure of rent. There's no pressure if he loses his job or takes a little bit longer to find his career path. And even my youngest, who's like, yeah, I'm not feeling living with y'all. And she's got a little bit of commute if she lives with us. But she started to look for apartments and she said, you know what? I think you're right about that. I think I'm going to live at home and save this money. And she's the most difficult. What is it? The youngest, the one that gives you the most trouble. (laughs) But, you know, I'm okay with it. Busting with my husband, we close doors and I'm like, "Ah!" but I know at the end, once they all launch, they won't have to come back. And that's how we do it. We look at down the road. And hopefully by that time, they will have learned a lot of your habits and they'll be on the same track of success and the same opportunity. I'm Hannah Storm and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go a step beyond savings. You also strongly recommend establishing a backup to your emergency fund. Now, what does that mean? So I was talking to one expert from Morningstar, and she said, so I don't advise to do this as a first resort, but while you have a job, while your income is good, to line up, say, a home equity line of credit, it's the idea of just to have it there if the worst case situation happens, you know, you lose your job or something happens, and then you can tap that during the hard times. Or, you know, it's really important to have good relations with your folks, your people, your relatives and friends, so that may be your backup emergency. 
you can say, hey, listen, I need your help. Can you help me? You can't do that if you don't have good, strong relations with folks. And it's not a matter of using them, but just saying, in my time of need, I can go to these folks to say, help me out. And if you are doing well for yourself, you ought to position yourself to help people without them even asking. We had a relative who lost her job during the pandemic. She worked in food services and, you know, lots of restaurants were closed down. And I found out that she was having difficulty. I didn't make a big deal about it. My husband and I discussed it. We sent her, you know, rent payments for a couple of months. And she's like, I'll pay you back. I said, absolutely not. We don't loan anybody any money. We give it to them. But we have a good relationship with her. So that backup could be a home equity line of credit. It could also be a relationship. And if you've got some shaky relationships, you need to fix them now. You know, that means getting therapy, get some therapy. If you're not in good relations with your parents, you know, get better relations or your siblings, especially those who may be doing better for themselves. And if you are the sibling doing better, I would hope that you live by the principle of to whom much is given, much is required. That's a great, great principle. Now, you say something here that I've never understood in all the years that I've sort of messed around with investing. And you say, don't underestimate the power of having bonds in your retirement portfolio. What is the virtue of bonds, which often return less than stock, but also tend to not lose as much as stock? Why do you like bonds? Well, the idea of an investment portfolio is to have balance. So historically, when stocks are crashing, bonds are doing okay because people flee to the safety of bonds. And so they become more desirable. Now, lately, bonds are paying not much at all, especially when you compare it to inflation. But you want to have that safety part of your portfolio so that, for example, you're in retirement and you've got to pull money out, right? So bonds aren't tanking like maybe your equities or stocks. So then you can cash those out to fund the things that you need to while you let the stock stay put to recover because they historically will for the most part in a balanced portfolio. So it's just about having balance, right? It's the same principle of not putting all your eggs in one basket. It's the same principle of not having all of your investment in one stock or one, God forbid, cryptocurrency. You know, you want to have diversity and bonds gives you that diversity. Finally, you suggest that a lot of people ought to look at getting a part-time job in addition to their main job and then should attempt to save whatever the part-time income is. That's right. Yeah. So people sometimes get a part-time job because they want to elevate their lifestyle, right? Now, some people get a part-time job because one job can't do it all. It can't put the food on their table or keep the roof over their heads. I'm not talking about those folks, people who are struggling. They have two jobs because that's what they need. But there's some of us who get part-time jobs because we want to do more. We want to have more. And so if you're in that latter group, get that job, that weekend job or after-hours job, or maybe you can monetize your skills if you're a tutor or you teach or you play music. Maybe you do some music lessons. Maybe you're good with Excel. You create something online. And then use that money to build your emergency fund, not to elevate your lifestyle. So you're not going to use that money to take a vacation or buy more clothes or buy a bigger, better car, you're going to then take that money and stockpile it. And I don't tell people anything that I don't do myself. So I write books, four financial books. Do you know, I can't really even pinpoint anything that I use with that money to buy myself something. We use that money to put into our kids' college fund. 
so that they wouldn't graduate with debt. And we keep our cars for like 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, I'm on a first name basis with the local tow truck drivers because I just keep my car forever. And so that extra income that came from my books, we didn't buy better cars. I didn't buy clothes or shoes or a purse. We stockpiled that because we knew the greatest gift we could give to our children is for them to graduate with no debt. The greatest gift we could give to our children is that if they decided they want to go get a master's to elevate their earning potential. We could pay for that. So we can pay for them to get a master's and they don't have to have any debt. We did that for our oldest. She has a master's. We paid for it so that she wouldn't have to take on any debt. And so use that income to do something that has a lasting effect for your financial life. What do you say to people who are literally just trying to make ends meet in in a period where inflation is going up faster than salaries? And they're just trying to pay their rent or their mortgage, just trying to pay their monthly bills and their gas and their groceries. What's your advice to somebody who's right at the margin where they're just a little bit below being able to save? That's such a hard question. And every time somebody asks, it makes me want to cry because I don't have this cookie cutter, quick answer. But what I do tell them is look at the parts of your budget that cost you the most. And housing is number one. And so if you can have shared housing situations, if you're a single mom with kids, maybe there's another single mom with kids that you guys could get a house together or apartment together. If you can go back and live with your parents or other relatives. I've had couples with kids who were in a situation where somebody lost their job and they were just barely making it. I said, call your parents and see, can everybody come back and live? And everybody's going to be on top of everybody and everybody might not even have their own bed, but that's okay for now. And some people are already doing that. And then while you're still doing it, do what you can to elevate your skills so that you can maybe get a better job. So take advantage of any courses that have training at community college. Don't want you to take on any debt for that, but look for opportunities to train yourself so that you can get more money. And then you've got to be just masterful at your budget. You just don't have any extra. And that's really hard in a country where we live above our means. Everybody, right? People making good money. I mean, I know people making high six figures and if they lost their job would be broke day one. And so it's really hard to tell them to pull back even more when they see so many other people getting and doing things. But I can tell you that you can do it. It's very tough. I was raised by my grandmother who had a minimum wage type job, and she was able to do it raising five grandchildren with no public assistance, by the way. She didn't take the money. She took the health care, but not the money. And she managed to do it by watching her budget and being as frugal as possible and saying no to us when we wanted things that she couldn't afford to get us. Amazing. You're a remarkable person. I mean, I think your personal story is as good as your column. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm really glad we had a chance to talk about things. And you make it so real and you come alive in a way that's very exciting and very, very positive. So I want to thank you for joining me. I know how busy you are. And I want to remind our listeners that you write a nationally syndicated personal finance column entitled The Color of Money, which appears in the Washington Post on Wednesdays and Sundays. And if they have a personal finance question for you, they can call 1-855-ASK-POST. That's 1-855-275-7678. 
I just want to thank you. This is a very timely conversation, and it's going to help a lot of people do better in the coming months. So thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Thank you to my guest, Michelle Singletary. You can get a link to her article, Seven Ways You Can Financially Prepare for a Recession, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howe. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.